Everyone, great to see you all. Welcome to church. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died, was resurrected, and shortly after he ascended to heaven, and after he ascended to heaven, the most powerful thing that we've seen on the planet Earth formed since. That was the church. The church transformed society, it overthrew the Roman Empire, and it has done so, so much, both good and bad, over the, over the following 2,000 years. And one of the trademarks of the church, when the church is at its best, when you can look back through the entire 2,000-year history, one of the defining marks of a healthy church is when it embraces the, the fivefold ministry, or rather when, when it looks more like a body, like a functioning body of believers, as opposed to looking like a, a dead and dying institution. And so our study here, in the, if you're joining us for the first time in a while, is we're doing a series called APEST, which is about the fivefold ministry, which is the, the spiritual gifts that are given to the church, which we see in the book of Ephesians. Uh, you're catching us halfway through this series, so we're not going to necessarily go back and do a full-on intro for There's plenty of stuff on the podcast stream, or, or last year we did another series on it as well. But this morning what we're going to do is we're going to actually explore the gift of the evangelist. Now, I uh, just want to clarify something just to help a few people in the room, because I know that there might be a mental block. When we're talking about the evangelist gift this morning, it's different to when we hear like evangelicalism in the United States in particular. It's different to that... Uh, that, that mode of church, kind of like Catholic or Protestant or anything like that, which is so often tied up with politics over there. We're talking about something very, very different. We're not talking about a denominational type of church or a type of Christian. We're talking about a spiritual gift that was given to the church uh, as a function of the church, but also given to us as individuals as well. We've been talking about this spiritual gift uh, constantly through the, the frames of this was the, uh, uh, a paradigm with which we can see the identity of Jesus. Jesus was the great evangelist. Therefore, it makes sense that his DNA is transferred into the church. So part of the function of the church is to evangelize. And for all of us within the church, we also carry that DNA also. Now, I know some of you might feel uh, dirty at the word evangelism and some of you want to shrink back from that. But can I remind you that when we... Um, operate in our area of greatest weakness, that's when we look most like Christ. Tim has uh, joked before about how when we did the, the APES score, so if anyone wants to do a, a test to sort of see their scores, we'll um, put some pamphlets back out on the table by the end of the service. When you look at all the scores, the person with the lowest single score on this personality, oh, not personality, on this spiritual gifts assessment score thing is Tim. Tim has got the lowest score out of anybody across any category in the church, and it happens to be for the shepherding gift, <laughs> which is quite funny. But when we think about it, when we see Tim acting at, in that shepherding gift somewhat, that's when he looks most like Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so for all of us here in the church, I'd encourage you to lean in this morning because perhaps you don't necessarily feel excited about the idea of evangelism, but when you step into that, perhaps that's when you look most like Christ. So what we're going to do is for the next 12 minutes, we're going to watch a, a great teaching video. I know it's not everyone's teaching style, but it's fantastic teaching video. And then after that, we're going to have a fun little interview to sort of bring it to life. And I, I'm just very thankful for the gift that Alan Hirsch is to the church. So thank you, Michael. Guys, we're talking evangelist. We've got in, uh, in the book, we've got 7.2 and that picture really of uh, the evangelist and evangelism all the way through from God, creation, Jesus into the body. So we're not talking the, the caricature of, a, of a, a person, a street corner, a loud voice. Let, let's just, again, Alan, as you've done, just put it through in the bigger piece rather than just the individual or the caricature for us. So again, for us uh, Christians, uh, when we talk about theology, we, uh, in, its, in its very narrow sense, it means the doctrine of God. Theos is God, of course. So, so when we um, 
when we frame any of our language and our ideas within the context of theology, it gives a real substance to what we're talking about. So uh, when we look to the roots of the evangelistic impulse, um, we find the roots in God have to do with those aspects of God's saviour. I mean, that is very deep within our theology, that God is our saviour, a redeemer, that he, he buys back broken things, fixes them up. Um, the idea of good news, inclusion, invitation uh, into the family of God, uh, the proclamatory aspects, the, you know, the, the, the celebration of good news. Uh, there's something about that that actually belongs, that describes who God is and, and it belongs to the person of God. Look through creation, you can also see those types of people that, that carry that, that kind of level of the proclaimer, the communicator, the person who gets buy-in. Um, yeah. I, I think actually we're living in America. Uh, I think America's got a strong evangelistic, in fact, might be the most predominant one in, in, in this country, uh, right across the spectrum um, of, of, uh, in, in history and culture. Um, and then, uh, of course, we look at Jesus as the evangelist. He is our saviour. He's the embodiment of good news, uh, the redeemer. Um, you know, say, goes after the, the one who leaves the 99, all that. You know, that, that very profound and very, very significant aspect of who Jesus is. We look then at the body of Christ is that the body of Christ owns the fact that it is to be, to live out this calling to invite people into the, to the story of Jesus, the story of God. Um, uh, so that, you know, every church is meant to be evangelistic in its functions or, or to do things that are actually celebrating of the good news and all that stuff. So, and then of course you've got the person, which we, you know, we want to talk about is the, uh, the person who does those things is the uh, infectious person, the sneezer of the organisational message, the singer of the song, the communicator, uh, the, the, the inviter, um, the good news person. Yeah, And it's great, isn't it? We, we talk of Jesus talking in parables, asking questions, that, that really engaging communicative style, not giving glib or short yeah. answers or yeah. the, the finished article, but yeah. that storytelling yeah. and that kind of engaging learning sense of... And the lovely, the merciful side of Jesus, that mm -hmm. kind of that merciful, I mean, that, which is the basis of our salvation, isn't it? That's uh, deeply... Jesus, there's a wonderful uh, evangelist in, in, in Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's great, as we said, to, to see that whole piece laced through mm -hmm. rather than just the, the person or the yeah. expression. Uh, it, in your perspective, Jonathan, how, how do we begin to recalibrate around Jesus when we think of the, the evangelist and evangelism? I think one of the things that, that is consistently surprising to me about the evangelist is that human nature, at least here in America, is we want to make the evangelist role a very surface level role. But if we want to recalibrate around Jesus' style of evangelism, it's actually very deep. It's profound. It, it's, it, it goes to the core of who we are on an identity basis. But it also goes to the point of, uh, I think there's a discovery component that uh, like the, 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 me the message you used through, throughout the book about having soft eyes, mm -hmm. that's just so crucial for the evangelist mm -hmm. because you have to be willing to be surprised by what you discover and then invite or include or, or nudge towards something deeper and more profound as, as a result. Mm -hmm. I think we, we, we miss that. Yeah. And the recalibration begins with, with really understanding that, hey, there, there is way more than what meets the eye, soft or hard eye. Yeah. 
uh, in in every situation. Yeah, because yeah, I, I would agree. I think the the other thing that we generally miss is the heart of the evangelist. Yeah. We we focus on, as you say, the, the superficial. So the noise, the storytelling, the the the, the desire to go and to proclaim. Mm-hmm. But really, it's for God so loved the world yeah. that He sent, and and the evangel- the heart for it's, it's like, those that yeah. don't know God, it, yeah. that impulse and motive is so so strong, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think that the evangelist is very much a people-oriented person, mm-hmm. well, like a Labrador type. You know, in a sense, the best evangelists are very very attractive people, and they actually make for very good leaders for that because they're really people. If they're good at it, people will buy in because they're actually really natural connectors and. I like uh, uh, Gladwell's typology, you know, he talks about connectors, the maven. is not so much a maven, but a connector, the, what's his other one? The salesman. Salesman. Now, I think that can cheapen this, but actually he doesn't mean it in that way. It's actually a person who can actually close the deal. Right. Yeah. right. I, th- I think we also overlook how much fun evangelists are. You know, again, because that pushes us to the superficial, going, man, I love it when that person's around. Well, if you look at what they're doing beneath the surface, yeah. there's something deep, yeah. profound, and beautiful that's actually happening as a result of them just enjoying yeah. being around people yeah. Yeah. and wanting to have a deeper connection. Yeah. Well, they are good news, right? I mean, For so sure. They, they, actually, they, they are, are good news, news people. Good yeah. news For people. sure. But, but again, as we've, as we've journeyed in, in our conversation and the, the book, we've also got to be honest about the, the flip side or the, the, the darker side. So we, we've used the word precocious. So that, that sense of I'm, I'm gifted in this, I'm good in this, this is the one thing that the reductionist and the, yeah. the focus on. And, and there's always a challenge, isn't there? Because, again, that, that evangelistic impulse to, to go and to share and to proclaim is, is an uncomfortable one for us. But also in the heart of the evangelist, I think there's that sense of going to those that don't know, but also keeping the challenge for the evangelist is to keep the heart for those that do know um, that that kind of evangelist as a stimulus, not a not a judgment, is mm. is a really fine line yeah. for the evangelist, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yes, indeed. And uh, again, that needs the counterbalancing force. I often feel that uh, an unhealthy, immature. Uh, evangelist is likely to close the deal without giving, you know, showing you the fine print. You know, often, so many of it, it's it's the bait and switch thing. In order to make yeah. the deal, oh, you know, just come on in, we'll sort out that discipleship stuff later on. In actual fact, many times it doesn't get sorted because it's not put up front. So I think, yeah, the danger is like without the counterbalance of a prophet particularly, we call truth to power uh, and, and to point you to the fine print. The, you, they need each other. And then that's, again, why the whole fivefold is necessary for the for an evangelist to flourish. You need the others around you. Yeah, because that, that the, the prophet will bring the integrity, yeah. but also the pastor on the other shoulder yeah. Yeah. to remind yeah. the evangelist well, the to human, love yeah, and yeah. to be a gift to the community yeah. that does know Jesus, yeah. not just to continue yeah, yeah, to yeah. continue to go out. You know, it? on a really basic level, I love the, the, the pairing of the evangelist, inviting people into the community, yeah. and then the pastor-shepherd really stewarding what the vibrancy, the beauty of that community is, that changes the experience for the person that's being evangelized, that's receiving the good news and making that, well, that's Semper Reformanda right there because the community continues to remind that, hey, this good news means something every single day. And, and it's, it's a, again, it's a journey of learning for us. Yeah. We've, heard, we've heard Alicia talk a lot in terms of the, the journey of learning for us because we have such a narrow caricature, don't we, of the, the, the evangelist yeah. and evangelism. Mm-hmm. And actually this, this sense, if we look at Jesus and we're reorientating around Jesus, 
good news was allowing his feet to be washed. Yeah. Good, good news was a cup of water. Good news was a, a conversation stopping to, to see who touched his cloak. There's so many different ways, physical and verbal, yeah. that he embodied and shared the good news. Yeah. I see the evangelists really, um, if you think of the apest in terms of home base towards translocal. So you could local, translocal, I think the two most local of the ministries uh, in the Bible, at least, uh, now we've got internet that messes things, but <laughs> um, but in the Bible, I mean, the, the shepherd and teacher are very, very home base. Uh, they basically take what is even help, mm. bring it health. The evangelist sits at the doorway mm. as the reaches out into direct into the culture and then makes the connection. So often is the connecting point between the faith community and the, the local context. The prophet is at a further step apart in order to be able to be critical in the best sense of the word, to be, you can't be totally co-opted to the system. So there's some distance, uh, at least um, mm. ideological distance from, from the home base. And the prophet, I think, is uh, sorry, the apostle is the most translocal in the sense of pushing mm. outward mostly. So. And, and as, we, as we talk personal vocation calling, we're also talking function and, and body and, yeah. and the mark of the church being gospel proclamation. Uh, how, how do we go on that journey? So not just because, again, the, the, the danger is we, we sort of say there's three or four evangelists. Yeah. I'm going to fold my arms, keep at a safe right. distance. Yeah. They're, they're going to do the job. Right. How do that we create a community yeah. and that the function of the gospel proclamation, not just a few or an event, yeah. Yeah. but a culture and a, yeah. and a community? Well, actually, I think it was Newbegin who said that the best um, uh, kind of defense of the gospel, the best proclamation of the gospel is a community that's willing to live by it, right? Mm -hmm. Is that if, if the, the community itself is good news, it, it, it represents genuinely good news to the world, then it that's what it means to be evangelical. Unfortunately, we've, that, that term is used in a much more ideological manner, but uh, is, is really where a community actually adds value and is good news and invitational to all who might come, you know, to, to God's table, you know, so. And that, that's, that's the evangelist in the context of the community, reminding us all yeah. of the good, that the gospel good is good news, as well as going to share that. There's actually a real investment, yeast in the dough yeah. of community that the evangelist can, can give. Because I, I would say too often life takes over, the, the tidal drift of culture yeah. leads us to, we survive, we turn up at church, we, we give some time, money and effort and, and tick the box mm -hmm. and we lose the, the good news of Jesus in the midst of life, life happens. And, and those people who just receive the good news of Jesus for the first time, they're, they're so vibrant, so, so wonderful to be around. Mm -hmm. It, it can't help but yeah, change a community for the positive. Infectious. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. And, and somehow we, we, we overlook that. That, that infectiousness seems like something we don't want. Yeah. And empowering the evangelists to really truly be that person, that, that, that magnet that can make a difference yeah. is that that's the that's the first step toward heading down that, yeah. down that road, making it okay. Very good. Why don't we just make sure that we're still engaged? Why don't you take 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor next to you and just share one thing that stood out to you about the video. 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor, one thing that stood out to you in that teaching then. Just got to be real quick, real sharp. 30 seconds, real test. Yeah, you can come up. You want to come up? Grab a seat. Yeah. 
All right. I hope you guys didn't find that too difficult to find something. Oh, I reckon I caught a few of them out. So here with me, um, actually, can we just scoot our chairs a little bit further forward? I don't think that these guys over here can see your wonderful faces, Zach. So everyone, welcome. Uh, this is Talia. We all know Talia. Talia's a fan favourite in the room, obviously. And then, big round of applause, this is Zach. So, uh, let me just pump up Zach's tyres for a minute, just because you're a guest. So, for those that don't know, Zach is the youth pastor down at Penguin at The Rock, and so this is the church that we uh, do our joint venture of um, youth camp with every year. But Zach's got a very special place in the, uh, the family of Talray. So, Zach grew up in this church. He spent, what, 10 to 15 years probably here? Something like that? Yeah, 18 maybe? 18 yeah. years. Wow. There are people in this church that prayed for you every single week. Like I'm looking around, I'm seeing, I'm seeing Chicky, I'm seeing Anne, I'm thinking of the Barkers, I'm thinking of the Jessons, I'm thinking of my parents. There are people that sowed seed into you every single week and then you moved down to Penguin and found love. Ooh. You became a dad. Yes, sir. You became a dad, which is pretty cool. But can I just say how exciting it is to see a young person come through our um, community here, come through church and kids' church and youth camps and youth group and all that sort of stuff. And now, can you tell everyone what your job is, mate? Yeah, for sure. So my job is... I got two jobs. So I'm, I'm the, the youth pastor at The Rock, young adults pastor, all that sort of thing. I'm also a chaplain at Bernie High, which is really Amazing. cool, but crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's good. So... I just want to celebrate church when we have young people um, come through and then they leave, well, not even young people, when we have people leave and then they spend the rest of their lives trying to glorify God and trying to make his kingdom great. Like, um, ministry isn't the most well-paid job in the world, so for you to choose that as a career is outstanding. I just want to applaud you and I just want to uh, thank everyone that's sown seed into him for so many years. And then also, hiding up at the back of the room, as I just noticed, is young Jack Harvey. Can everyone, Jack, can you give us all a wave? So Jack, for the, again, if you are new, it's worth celebrating. So Jack recently got married, same story, um, used to hang out with this riffraff over here, high school, youth group, all the rest, and now you've moved down the coast to the, the Rock Church. Zach, uh, Jack, it's so good to have you back in church. You're always a part of this family, yeah. So good. All right, I've got a question for you guys. I'm going to give you guys like a nice easy... Ooh. A nice easy one just to hopefully tee you up without any you know, like sound explosions. So you're both youth pastors, you have youth camp coming up. Can you tell us about your heart for young people? So the reason why we're doing this interview, friends, is that Talia's definitely got the evangelist gifting upon her life. I don't know what Zach's profile is, but I, I see it in action all the time. And so part of what we're doing is we're taking the teaching video and then we're trying to see through the eyes of somebody who's got that strength, who's got that gifting, so that we can understand it in a real-life context. So guys... Can you just share with me, tell me about your heart for young people and for youth camp, or what do you hope to see? I don't mind who goes first. Okay. Um, yeah, well, so we, we know that um, youth camps change lives, like we've seen it um, so many times throughout all of the years, like most of the, I don't know, a lot of the people in this church, you know, grew up going to um, youth camps and every year, like you come back and you just see like all these young people so energised and so excited for God. Um, what was the question? Tell me about your heart for young people. Like, okay, what do you yeah. hope, like little Jimmy's going on youth camp, what do you hope happens to Jimmy? Um, I just, I hope that Jimmy finds um, a relationship with Jesus. Like I hope that he uh, finds friendship and belonging within like the people that are at youth group and camp. Um, but yeah, like 
I just really hope that he finds um, a love with Jesus and a, a place and a relationship um, for that and that he just, yeah, discovers that he is so loved, that he is belonging. Um, yeah. Great. What about you, Zach? What, what's your heart? Yeah, well, I suppose my heart for young people really changed a few years ago. Um, I was building you it used at the to time. hate them. I, yeah, I, honestly, they <laughs> drive me crazy. And then sometimes I still do. But Jesus loves them, so I have to. Um, it's a bit unfortunate sometimes when God calls you into things in your life, you have to follow it, and even if you don't like it. But my, my theory is um, I could either be like part of the problem. I remember going home from youth, like crying multiple times because you're just hearing the same old story again, you know. I'm depressed, my boyfriend broke up with me, I'm doing this now, I'm doing that now. And it's like it's heartbreaking, you hear that every story, like all the time. And my thought was I can either like let that really get to me and like just let it affect me or you can help and try and be a part of the solution. So that's where God really put it on my heart to start working more and more with young people. So my hope for young people is that there is a different option out there and not even just for young people, for old people altogether. It's the same old story that we hear, you know, life's hard, life's tough, but there's better options out there. So my hope for young people is that they can see that and discover what what I found all them years ago. I'm hearing in that that you want them to understand there's a full life that can be experienced. 100%, yeah. Like a life to the full, like the good news of the gospel isn't just like a prayer that you do and it's salvation type thing. We we believe uh, following Jesus is a whole new beautiful life. For sure. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, mate. So you both have this strong sense of wanting to uh, see people come to know Jesus. Where does that come from? Like, why? Like, what's going on inside that heart? Like, and what do you feel? Like, what pushes you forward to, to sort of share the good news about Jesus? Go on, Zach, you can go first. I can definitely go first. So, again, it comes out of the same thing of wanting people to be able to have more, to receive more, to get more. And I suppose why I keep going is because you see it work. Like, it's a success story. Is it, us as a church are terrible at sharing. I know for me and my end and what I do every day is I get to work with young people, I get to see young people and I get to catch up with other people that are doing the same thing. So I hear the amazing stories but I'm terrible at then sharing them out to the church but I know how um, restoring and and good for your your own health and relationship with God that them stories can be. So for me it's the stories that really make me want to keep telling people about Jesus because you can see the life transformation happen. What about you, Talia? What's going on internally which is driving you to become a, a youth pastor and to spend so much time with young people? And Yeah, I guess it like kind of comes back to what like Zach said. Like There are um, so many people who are just so broken and it breaks your heart. And um, like I'm the same, I come home from, from doing any kind of youth ministry and you just um, cry and you just go like, God, I just wish that these young people knew you. And so then it he kind of puts it back on you and he goes, we'll tell them, you know, like we can't, we, as the church, we can't sit here and go, man, we wish um, the outside world wasn't so broken if we don't leave the walls, like we have to go, we have to tell them. And like in a personal sense, like I know um, obviously all the ways that I'm broken, but I also know all the ways that God has healed me and restored me. And um, I just so desperately want that for, for every person, not just every young person. But yeah, we really see that in our young people and like there's like Zach said there's so many success stories that it's worth hoping for it's worth believing for and we know that like God will come in and he will heal and restore and do all those things that's great I think for most people that aren't wired like you guys like they hear at a sermon like in church here we've all heard them about like a challenge to take up the great commission or a challenge to share our faith and this sort of stuff and so I think for a lot of people in the room they have 
uh, it's almost like a sense of obligation that I must have to go and do it. It's like a, a negative emotion, a negative motivation forcing them out into the world. But I know both of you, like, I don't see that in either of you. Is that fair, Zach? Yeah, well, I'd like to say I get to it go like and do it. It bursts out of you, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, you feel like you guys do a program on Monday night and the kids come in. Like, do you feel like, oh, I suppose I better, like, be really brave here and share the word? It's not like that for you. No, it's, it definitely is a sense of you get to go and do it. And, like, honestly, if we truly believe what we come here and say and what we preach, and if you truly believe the words that you're singing in them are songs, why would you not want that for other people? Like, we're, if we don't do it, we're selling people short, which is just wrong. That's great. Uh, you both have this uh, like spark and <laughs> this vibrancy about you. Yes, underneath that beard, Zach, you still have it, yeah. They talked about how so many people lose the good news of Jesus and miss the fact that just life happens. And I think we can all sort of relate to that. Whereas I think evangelists, and I definitely see this in you guys, you guys stay fun and vibrant. And they made this comment in there which was interesting. They said it's because they realise that um, something profound beneath the surface has taken place. So take us beneath the surface. What is it that's, that allows you to be so vibrant and joyful? Like, Talia, maybe we'll start with you. Like, you, everyone here in the room knows that you're just a ray of sunshine. But, like, we spend enough time together where I know that there's hard things in your life too. Yeah. Where does this joy come from all the time? Oh, sorry. Um, I think it, it just comes from, like, really spending time with God. Like, if you're um, in with... Jesus, like he just he just brings this this joy, and it's like a um, sometimes there's like rose-colored lenses that you know you put on and you like look around you and you're like, wait, life is really good, um, but it's not it's not fake. <laughs> but yeah, like I know that there have been times where um, I've just been um, just praying and almost crying over like the girls in our school program, and then I've been. Um, just overwhelmed by this, like the love that God has for them, you know, and like then I'm in, then I'm in tears, obviously. Um, but then I just kind of go like, how do I, how do I keep that to myself? Like I can't, if I have this group of girls and I know that God loves them so so much that it, oh no, sorry, um, overwhelms me and brings me to tears. Like, yeah, how could I not tell them about it? How could I not tell them um, about how God loves them and. Um, to be in a space where young people come in and you get to tell them that, you get to tell them like, hey, you are loved, you matter, you have a, a creator who knows everything about you and he loves you and he just wants to be in relationship with you. Like to see um, the kind of cognitive, like the understanding and then the heart acceptance of that, like it's just so exciting and it just keeps bringing life back, you know? That's great. You go, sure. Yeah, well, again, I think it's... Talia nailed it on the head at spending time with God. I think those who are close to me can probably nearly tell me when I've spent enough time with Jesus or if I haven't. Um, and you can see the difference in your personal life. If you're spending intentional time with God, if you're hanging out with Him, if you're praying, if you're reading your Bible, if you're worshipping, you tend to normally be a better person to be around. So I think it's it's serving out of overflow, which is my big goal for the year. I think last year I'd done a lot of it in my own strength and this year my goal is to really serve out of overflow and live out of overflow for other people so they get that, that overflow joy because that's even that, that's that different gravy. Different gravy. Different gravy. That's, why you, you that's it. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, just a little sidebar, no one else can hear this. Mark, does that sound come from when we point our microphones at the speaker? Uh, I don't know. 
That's okay. <laughs> I thought I assumed because you're you're very clever and very good. I assumed it was my fault. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, easy. We don't need to hear from him anyway. No, they're going to do it from the desk, mate. All right. Um, one of the things that impresses me about both of you is that you don't fall for that like immature trap that we heard on the screen. Like, despite your young age, like you aren't selling a cheap salvation, like a, a gospel of sin management, like as in a in a smoke-filled room, everyone close your eyes. I'm going to give my life, and then the rest of my life looks exactly the same. But like you guys aren't selling that. You're selling a, a lifelong apprenticeship or a lifelong discipleship to Jesus. Like. Um, can you tell me about why you've both got this conviction that that's what you want to spend your life doing? Do you know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't mind who goes first. Am I using this one still? Yep. Fantastic. Um, so for me, I suppose like they use it in that it's the bait and switch model. Like it doesn't work. You see, I've heard stories of people getting that, you know, at a massive youth conference or a massive thing, the pastor brings this awesome hype-filled message and, and someone lifts their hands and they go home and life's the same and then they're angry at God. That's not what I want to create. I think um, for someone to truly form in with Jesus, it's a community-based approach and it has to be a community-based approach. It's like if you adopt a dog and you bring a dog home, all of a sudden it's not one person's problem to just look after this dog. It's a family approach. Everyone needs to chip in. Everyone needs to look at it. And it's the same with bringing someone to church. If we, again, truly call ourselves a family, then it's up to the family and the community to really raise and shepherd these new people of faith into a life of what God has for them. I remember when I was in high school and, and Jono and Taylor were my youth pastors, I said, I'm terrible at telling people about Jesus, but I can bring them to youth and then it's your job. <laughs> I just passed the baton on, which worked well because I could get people there. Me and Jack got the people there, but then brave conversations were hard for me at the time, but I knew Jono was willing to have them with people. So it's about bringing the community around and everyone chipping in because not always is the evangelist the best person at doing the discipleship work. So sometimes the evangelist can get the person there or bring the person there and then it's up to someone else to really get alongside the person and take them through the next step and the next step and the next step. So just give a glimpse into that, like in high school, I remember you and Jack would bring like after school on a Friday afternoon, there'd be like a dozen of the riffraff from Riverside High School that would stroll down the hill and what we'd do to kill time before youth group starters would read the Bible. <laughs> like, I mean, like there were, there was a dozen young people that you just sort of pull along every week, you're like, some of them were just caught up in all sorts of stuff in the world and you're just like, oh, come do this instead and somehow they did it. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah, so I see that hard on you. What about you, Talia? What's your conviction for why you want to present the fullness of the good news? Yeah, um, well, I love what, like, Zach was saying about it being a community thing, and I think you see, like, the, the fullness of, like, the apest in that. But um, for me, like, first of all, I'm not counting. I'm not counting how many kids we've saved, and I'm not, um, you know, like, I, that's not at all why I do what I do, and I think that... Um, yeah, again, that like bait and switch. It's it's a cheap it's a cheap sell. Like um, there is so much in doing life with Jesus, and there is so much goodness. Um, but it's also like one of the biggest like decisions you'll ever make. And so I don't want that to be um, a, a cheap sell or a peer pressure or anything like that. Like I want to um, present the fullness of a life with God, and then. Um, 
like coach and disciple people as they make that decision and that journey. You know, like it's not um, it's not a switch that we flip that we decide that we're going to become Christian, and it's not. Um, yeah, like like there's just there's so much more um, to it, and so we never. Well, I never like do the the prosperity gospel, like just accept Jesus and everything will get better, um, because again, like it just creates deception and hurt, and um, that's not how I want to bring people into the church. Like I want to bring them in, and I want them to to be excited to learn about Jesus, and um, yeah. Yeah, you recognise life's messy. Yeah. And so you want to walk authentically, connected, engaged with people and then introduce, oh, do, do you know about forgiveness? Do you know about reconciliation? Can we pray for healing? Can we yeah. do, can, do you know about generosity? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and like, that's, that's the thing. Work. Like Discipleship is a, it's a lifelong process. It's not something that we just do and then we tick it off. Yeah, and it's good news. And it's good news. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, last question. Young people, I'm calling both of you. How old are you? 20, 26, 26. Yeah, definitely young. Um, what are some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome in order to just live an engaged, alive, dynamic type of faith? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Look at you just handball yeah. off to Talia there, Look at mate. That. Smart. Um, sorry, repeat the question. What are some of the obstacles you've had to overcome to live this engaged, dynamic faith? No one wants a boring faith. No, no, definitely not. I think that um, that was kind of one of the things that I had to overcome is like being raised in the the church. I always knew about Jesus, but like I didn't fully read my Bible until I was 18 and I didn't, um, I guess I found it hard to really kind of engage with God. And um, so for me, it's just been like about that, that process of, um, learning to spend time with God every day and he wants to spend time with me and um, I guess then like once you have that internal space um, you know you're kind of getting it right like you you move into that external world and so it's going like being brave enough to ask like where God where do you want me and what do you want me to do and um, like sometimes doing that evangelism thing is scary like to um, it's a it's a conversation that a lot of us are a little bit scared of, like um, we don't know how people are going to respond and all of that sort of thing. So just, um, yeah, I guess trying to figure out how to how to fully receive and use my gift um, while also still battling with that, um, I guess that idea of evangelism that we all kind of shy away from. We don't necessarily want to be that guy in the mall yelling at people that they're going to go to hell if they don't accept Jesus, you know? Like, there's a, um, a balance in it. So, I guess trying to find that balance, yeah. Yeah, well, again, for me, it's to, like, keep the fire, to keep the passion, get yourself around other good people is a great start. Get yourself around other people that are fired up and excited to be around Jesus. That's a great one. Spending time with God, again, a great one. Um, actually doing it and seeing, like, I don't know if you guys have ever invited someone to church and they actually say yes. Like, that's one of the best feelings in the world. And then to see them come to church and come again or come to youth and come again or or start, you know, reading the Bible. with Like, all these things that you, like, experience first with people is so amazing. I've got a, a three-month-old now and just, like, spending time with him and just be like, oh, look at these flowers, and he's so happy. Like, it's just, like, people's first, they're always so happy to see that, which is so cool to then be around and be a part of that journey. Um, and, yeah, again, 
serving out of overflow. It's it's my goal for the year, so I'll keep saying it again and again. It's so important. It's so vital. Um, I know at school when I when I'm out there um, at Burnie High, it can be a lot of days that are are long and tiring and hard and there's days where I'm in a bit of a mood and they're the, they're the bad days, I'll tell you that much. But there's so many days where like if you go in with just a joyful spirit, like the kids just like gravitate towards it. It's crazy. Like the, from the moment I get to my office to the moment I leave, there'll be a, a kid around me and they'll be there the whole time. And I'm not doing anything special. I'm not this awesome person by any means, but I'm just a person who's happy to see them and happy to listen to them and will be excited to ask how their weekend was you don't have to do anything crazy it's just being able to listen and, and generally being happy to see them and again it's if we're inviting them to a community that's happy people are going to want that and people are going to want to gravitate towards that because if our life truly resembles jesus you know if my marriage is going well if i'm parenting well if i'm doing my own discipleship journey well people will gravitate towards that and and want a bit of that so good so good all right give a big round of applause for these two all right so good the good news is for everyone truly believe that the good news is good news for everyone and everyone is able to share the good news so we're actually going to uh late um change can we watch that little video is that all right tim's found an inspiring little video goes for five minutes uh this is what it looks like when a, a church engages i suppose this apes function of evangelism corporately and also individually and just how we see a glimpse of what it's good news for an entire community for an entire society after that we're just going to end the service with our discussion questions thanks luke thanks for joining us today we hope that you've enjoyed the message and that's had great impact on you if you want prayer would like to connect with us further or you just have questions we would love to chat you can find us at www.tarescommunitychurch.com.au or you can find us on Facebook. Have a great week.